welcome to the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast. My name is Steven Dutzman. I am your host, and this is episode 250. That's right. This podcast is more than five years in the making, and I am joined this week by a very special guest who is here every week almost. That is the Princess of Power, Amanda Farrow. How are you? I'm so excited that this is episode 250. Like, I'm so psyched. I can't believe that I've been doing this with you for a year now. Two years? It's been two years. It's been, has it been two? It's, it's been, been a long time. It's, it's been, been a years. long time. We originally, because we can count, and we knew a while ago that an episode 250 was going to happen because that's how math works. And so we had planned originally that episode 250 was going to be a big celebration and maybe a live thing. And we would do all sorts of crazy stuff. Clearly folks, the world has other plans for us. However, both of us also have continued to maintain our ability to count. And we know that episode 300 is next year. And Counting it. The two of us, we are very confident <laughs> that we are not stopping this train. So we'll do something really crazy next year. And the general already reached out to me. And by reached out to me, I mean she came up to my desk and talked to me and and was like, listen, I have some ideas for the episode 300 that you should do. And they're all great. So I'm not going to spoil it for you guys. And we're not going to early celebrate 300. We're going to talk about the 250th episode. Amanda, 250 episodes is more than five years for us because you know, we don't record every damn week. You know, yeah, it's not true. crazy. So what we're going to do today, we're going to go around the horn. You and I have played some new video games. We're going to talk about new video games that we have. OK, that you have never spoken about on this show before. Mine, I have talked about in the past. Okay. But these are mostly brand new games that are available right now. And then. We're going to take a little trip down memory lane, not navel gazing on the EFG podcast content like me and Linda did the other week, which, by the way, was hilarious. We, it was a good. It was good. It was real yeah, good. We went and just because we, we went through and we're going to do that with the video game stuff when we have a week where there's no news or major anniversaries to celebrate. So I guess maybe never, but we'll figure it out uh, where I went through. And I went and looked at every year and looked up the biggest video game news stories of each year, starting in 2015 when this podcast started and coming to now. And you and I, me, the veteran podcaster, and you, the veteran video game journalist, we're just going to rap about it. It's worth mentioning. I'm not going to be talking about any GTAs, no Call of Duties, no Headshot Central. This is all, for the most part, family-friendly stuff, which is cool because a lot of those stories are often overshadowed by Headshot Central. We don't have to talk about any of that. It's true. So, Amanda. Yo. You guys have been having a very busy last couple of weeks on virtual economy. We really have. Are you there a stock no market words. expert now? Like, are you are you considering going to get your uh, securities license? I'm just curious. No. And also No. But kind of well, I, like I know enough to be dangerous now, I guess, which is like me plus business anyway. Yeah, I know enough so, to be dangerous. 
it's my street what? MBA. Now I have a street education in finance. <laughs> yeah, for real. So for everybody that here's here's what you want to do. Okay, everybody listening to this has one hundred percent seen the news where they've talked about GameStop stock and AMC and what else? The BlackBerry and like a whole bunch of other ones. And they're talking about Reddit doing all sorts of crazy stuff and hedge funds. And no one, with the exception of virtual economy. And myself, actually, because of virtual economy, because uh, uh, I did a little bit on the EFG show last week, uh, but they go in depth. And they have like, what, three episodes now where you've touched on it? Yeah. At least at some three, level. We have three episodes. There was like, there was an episode in the fall that we talked about this. And then there, what's that? It was October. It was October. Mike is reminding me of when we talked. Thanks, Mike. I, I love it. It's like having my own personal encyclopedia just like hanging out over here. Yeah, we have a fact checking service. I do have a fact checking service so that I'm not, you know, talking out of my bum. So, yes, we had one in October that talked about the stock shorting and explained what was going on with the stock shorting and some of the strange fluctuations that we were seeing um, with Investor overconfidence, or that's how I saw it, was investor overconfidence in the GameStop stock specifically. And we found out, you know, bunch of bunch of other incredible things thanks to Mike's conversation with um, with what was what was the Justin Dapirala from Domo Domo Capital. That's what it was. I'm like, it's a it starts with a D. I never remember anything anymore. It starts because, with a D, and it's not Dutzman because I didn't. and it's not Dutzman. No, no. So it's for Domo Capital. Um, and then we, we, yeah, so it was, it was a good episode kind of giving a primer. And then we had our initial episode about what was happening with the uh, Wall Street bets and how kind of frustrated we were with the whole thing. And then we totally changed our tune by the next week. We're just like, you know what, burn it all down. <laughs> And so you guys, over the course of those episodes, I know you guys have a blog. I think you should probably like string all those blog, all those together into one That's thing and plan. call it like an associate's degree in game stonk and then just go <laughs> with it. Associate's degree in game stonk because we're reaching the NGME. According because to I think you. it's it's the NGME. That was a that was a that plus was tweetage. That so, was so good. So that was we're we're totally. Being the, the being those podcasters talking about my joke my jokes on Twitter, but definitely go listen to Virtual Economy if you are curious about that topic. They're going to get you all covered with laughs and sarcasm, and I cannot encourage you to do it enough. I know I saw on Twitter a bunch of people who were like, "Hey, we found you because of this topic," and now they are going to be lifelong listeners. So good job for you guys. You guys, the hits just keep coming. You start a business podcast. And then Epic sues Apple. And oh then, yeah, that antitrust then, suit is going to be coming to a head in in May of this year. Yeah. So you guys, that'll be interesting. Just, you guys have had a very busy year. So everybody, I'm going to throw some of our support your way because everybody should listen to at least some of your episodes because they get you get into the weeds about some very cool stuff. And we timestamp it now, so you don't have to sit down and listen to us for two hours if you don't want to. You can just kind of like fast forward to the to the bits that you want to know more about, and you won't hurt our feelings as it turns out. Yeah. Well, largely because they'll be listening uh, on their own. Right? Yeah, <laughs> All right. I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to be there nah. looking looking over that's, your shoulder being like, what are you doing? What are you doing? This is definitely not 
how yeah our podcast doesn't do that either so we're good all right let's go around the horn now so we're we've 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 pushed your podcast i love it now let's go around the horn speaking of things that we love amanda yeah you and i actually were graciously given codes from devolver digital for a little adventure game called tohu which you absolutely love love Tell me more, because I saw you streaming it on Ready Player Mama on, I believe it was an Indie Friday. It was. It was this past Indie Friday. And we, I so I turned it on. I wasn't sure what to expect. Game has a tendency to make me feel kind of dumb, but kind of smart at the same time. So I personally appreciate being put in this weird juxtaposition of like, man, I figured out this puzzle. I'm the smartest human being on Earth while simultaneously being the dumbest human being on earth. So I actually hashtag adventure games, right? Hashtag adventure games. So it, it really, it really is this incredible like homage callback throwback to the resurgence of adventure games that were in like the, the, the teens in the, the 2010s. And the puzzles are just obtuse enough that it keeps you guessing, but not so obtuse that it makes you want to throw your mouse at the wall. So I like the story. The story is very simple. It's gotta fix gotta fix this thing on my home planet. Gotta go visit other fish, planets. It's a fish. You live on the back of a fish, which is fine. You know, whatever, yeah. you know, whatever. I'm not here works. to judge. Not here to judge your your fishy life. It's fine. And so she's so she goes off and she tours around and she picks things up and she's got to you know she's got to fix it essentially she needs like a screwdriver and a and a and a hammer and everything like that so she's going around and she's grabbing the stuff she needs to go fix it and then where I got into the game is I am now chasing like this bad guy I don't like it's just some evil some evil rogue essentially that spirited away with my tools just as I went to go and fix the sacred engine and it just it's very interesting I like it because it combines a lot of different elements of adventure games so that includes like a little bit a little bit of stealth timing some decision making different kinds of puzzle structures including an, a, a number of Escher puzzles which were mind-boggling but still very interesting and you utilize the two different for like Tohu's two different forms. So Tohu can either be this cute little girl or this big badass robot that with can lift cube stuff up with a cube for a head. I think it's called like Blockus or something like that. Anyway, so. Cube Boy is awesome. Give it up for Cube Boy. So I will. Oh, yeah, Tohu is is really, really fun. And if you love that genre of games and you have been hungry for great puzzles and a game that's really going to make you think, but also make you go, aw, Tohu's your game. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it is currently available on Switch, Steam, and is it on PS4? I don't know. I can check real quick. Yeah, let's look. Um, we have the power of the internet at our fingertips. We do. Fingertip. It's actually on all last gen. Everywhere? So oh, and last gen. Switch, PS4. Switch, okay. PS4, Xbox One. It's on Windows as well as Mac. Okay. So, so very, very cute. 
Yeah. I think cute cute is the, absolutely the right word and the first one that you need to talk about. When we talk about adventure games, just to get in the habit of uh, defining genres, adventure games are what you should think about is games back in the day like King's Quest and new modern ones like, well, the new King's Quest, but also the Walking Dead games and, yeah. you know, all the, the right whole now. Telltale, yeah. the Telltale things. Also, Lucas, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Lucas had a bunch of adventure okay. games as well. Yeah, they did. And uh, Double Fine did too, right? Double yeah. Fine did some. So, um <laughs> These are games where essentially you are clicking around on the screen and kind of moving your character, gathering tools and making connections to try and kind of buy, move screen to screen and kind of solving the puzzle on the screen. A lot of them, you mentioned Escher puzzles. Some of them are all about just kind of navigating 3D space. Some of them are about collecting things from one area and bringing them to another. And in this case, her little twist is you can either be the little girl who is a little bit more agile and can use more tools, or you can click on her and she turns into a giant hulking robot thing, which yes, that's weird, but also she lives on a giant fish, so like whatevs. And in those cases, she can... For example, there is a puzzle very early on where she has to pick up like a telephone pole and yeet it into a big machine to get ground up. And you can't do that as a little teeny girl, but you can as big strong boy. And so these are this gives you the ability with just one character to have a wide variety of different puzzles. It is very cool. The art is amazing. The colors are so cool. Oh, it's uh, so I know true. The color palettes are legitimately, I'm so glad you mentioned that. They're so beautiful. The color palette is among the most Amanda color palettes on earth. It's true. It's a lot of purple, guys. A lot of purple. Lot I'm of purple. wearing a lot of purple right now. Yes. No one can see me, but I'm wearing a lot of purple. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it, it almost feels like this is this is a weird comparison, but from a color perspective, you know how Batman the Animated Series started black and then they put stuff on top of that? It really does feel like Tohu, they just started with like a very gentle purple, like maybe a little darker than a periwinkle and then just went on top of that. Yes, I just dropped the word periwinkle. That's Mike's favorite um, color. Is and that's it? actually the color that our office is painted. Yes. And I don't mean that in, you know, I mean, it's just a, a choice. Yeah. Uh, I think this is very cool. The only criticism I have is that the hint system in this game is real stupid. It's because it involves a it, because it involves a rhythm game, more or less, where you. It's timing. It's yeah, really it's timing frustrating. Based. It's really, really frustrating. And it's not accessible at all like that's a big accessibility fail right there and considering you know i i want to sing this game's praises and say what how wonderful it is you know we can't we can't miss on the biggest and most confounding problem with this game and that is the hint system i would be fine with it if it was opt-in um like if i could have turned it off then I would have no problem with it. It really just sure. comes down to when I the, I try very hard. Like, I play all my games on easy. I just come out right out and say it. Like, I play my games on easy unless I am explicitly told that I cannot. 
If it were opt-in, I think I would have been okay. By the time I get to the point where I need to look up a walkthrough video or use a hint system, I'm already tilted and probably feeling a little dumb. And so putting a skill-based system, even it's a simple one. It's not crazy. It's just a little metronome thing going over an arch. You have to hit a button when you're over a specifically like a colored portion of that arch. I get it. It's not crazy, but I'm already tilted. I don't need to miss when I'm trying to ask for a hint, but I think it's, I'm sure there are people who love it and think it's super cool that they can't just easily ask for one. Like there's a little bit of resistance. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that that's awesome for them. If I could turn it off, I would have turned it off within seconds because if I ask for a hint, I mean, I'm only cheating myself. There's, I'm not speed running this game. Although I'm sure that I'll see in three years, it'll be on AGDQ, some guy breaking it in five minutes. That's just Probably. Works. But so, but that is my only complaint. And the reality is it can be circumvented just by looking at a walkthrough. It is gorgeous. It is inexpensive. This game's less than yeah. $20. It's on $13. Yeah. It's $13 right now. Like now, like if you are even just a little bit interested in this, then like now is the time. It's less than, I mean, it really is a couple of burritos worth of video game. And this is a lot of game. So I definitely encourage everybody to take a look at it. And one of my favorite parts about adventure games is that you can play them with a backseat driver, like a kid who can't necessarily do the controls. You can kind of share that experience with a whole room of people because there's no, there's not a lot of Twitch in this game. You're playing and it's kind of move at your own pace for the most part. So, so that's Tohu, T-O-H-U. We'll leave a link in the description from Devolver Digital. Man, they make some weird games. And this definitely fits their weird mold. It's extremely weird. Extremely. But in the the most lovable and fun way. Absolutely. Speaking about lovable and fun, you want to talk about a a dystopian robot ninja battle game? Of course I do. Hashtag lovable and fun. Uh, So Cyber Shadow. Cyber Shadow came out this week. It's on Xbox Game Pass, and I believe it is also available on other things. It was published by Yacht Club Games. It was produced by one dude. And this is a game I played a while ago at a PAX East. So I think it was like maybe two years ago at PAX East, I think. And that's when I talked about it then. It's currently available on Switch and it's on everything. Mm-hmm. And it's on Game Pass. So if you have Xbox Game Pass, it is $0. I do have um, Xbox Game Pass because it's the best deal in gaming. Because it is the best deal in gaming. And we've talked about that quite a bit. So uh, Cyber Shadow is, so you remember The Messenger? We talked about that a lot. Of course well, I remember The Messenger. So The Messenger was another Ninja Gaiden themed game that was uh, just kind of a, a, a send up of that genre. The Messenger was all about platforming and exploration because it was a Metroidvania and then eventually it had that whole like time mechanic and it was wild. It was also very self-aware and funny. Cyber Shadow, not so much. (laughs) It is not quite as self-aware and funny. I got it. It is also more focused on combat than on exploration. So this is this is essentially kind of take the beginning, which is we want to make a new Ninja Gaiden game. And it's like, what part of that game did you like the most? Did you like slashing robots and stuff? 
then that's Cyber Shadow. If you liked some of the intricate platforming challenges, then you would play The Messenger. This is a great video game. Uh, it is available on I, – I downloaded it immediately and put a bunch of time into it. My oldest has put some time into it. This looks like a Nintendo game, kind of plays like a Nintendo game. It Fair is enough. also very hard. However – Is it like Nintendo hard? <laughs> no, because nothing – because Nintendo hard was because they could only fit five stages in the game and they needed to be super hard so that you would play the game more. Um yeah. This is it's challenging, but it is not that kind of crazy. There are okay. checkpoints and power ups and stuff like that. It's a lot of fun. And I, I think that this is, you know, there's going to be a lot of people looking for stuff to play. And I think this is a great game to play while we wait for some of the other games coming out later on this month, like, you know, the new Mario or if you're waiting for Bravely Default 2, which is like this whole this house right here i think i'm gonna have to we may have to get more copies of that than animal crossing it feels like because everybody wants in on that game you know who wants in on that the general uh wants in on bravely default too that does not Um, surprise me the general has excellent taste in games she does yes um so so that's cyber shadow it's available Uh, i would encourage everybody look up a youtube video we'll throw a link into the into the description because this is one of those games you will know if this is a game for you within 30 seconds of a let's play. You know how sometimes you watch a game and you're like, man, maybe I could do this. Cyber Shadow will tell you <laughs> right away. Is this a it's you game? It's not shy. It is not shy. It's like, first off, do you like ninjas? Do you like robot ninjas? Do you like robot ninjas with swords? And if the answers to those questions are not emphatically yes, then you're probably this is not for you. And that's OK. Okay, there's no shame in that. Exactly. You got to do what's right for you. Exactly. So, so that's our around the horn. How about that? Two pretty much brand new games for us. I mean, we're all we're still playing the old favorites because that's what we do. But of course. I thought this was a good opportunity to talk about two games, give them a little bit of a highlight here on episode 250. You know, I'm here for it. Yes. Speaking of things that we're here for, let's talk about things that this podcast was here for. That was like a professional segue. It's like I almost know what I'm doing. So. I did the math, right? Figured out that we've been around for 250 episodes. That's a little bit more than five years. So what I did, just like I said in the beginning, I went back in time using the Google machine and I looked up the biggest video game stories from a family gaming perspective starting in 2015. And I thought I would just kind of go through some of the big stories that we have as a podcast existed through. Now, I know you haven't been here with us the whole time. I have not. But uh, but only for two years. Shocking. I know. Shockingly. But the percentage of time you have been a co-host with me is growing on the daily. Uh, So um, so let's just go right back to 2015. Everybody is going to be shouting at us. Hey, did you forget this story? I, I, I couldn't look up everything, guys. But here we go. The first thing that I wanted to talk about in 2015, and this is how crazy this is. Do you remember Sony's Year of Dreams? their E3 press conference in 2015. I do. So this was EFG has been around for almost eight years at this point. So we didn't have a podcast right away. That took a while to kind of launch and figure out and take shape. But we definitely covered E3 at this time by now. And that press conference was 
one of the most insane moments I will ever remember. I'm bringing up the list right now. That was one of the windows that was closed on me. They opened it by showing us The Last Guardian, which had been – we had been waiting for that for how long? Like 10 years? Yeah. That was a long – that was a long haul. And uh, it was maddening how long we had to wait. And they debuted Horizon Zero Dawn. Wow. It was a two-year lead. I forgot about that. They showed us Street Fighter V, No Man's Sky, but I think this was the second time. But then we go into – this is when they showed us Dreams – like actual, not like dancing in their office, but like they showed us what dreams could look like. <laughs> they showed us, and then the Last Guardian Final Fantasy. They confirmed the Final Fantasy VII remake, which just came out this past year, and then Shenmue Three, which did that. Act, that actually came out, right? I think it yeah. actually did come out. Yeah, it did. It was um, a lot of it was a lot of legal kerfuffle around it because of Kickstarter and then EGS, and yeah. it was just it was weird. Yeah. And they also told us all about Project – they gave us more information about Project Morpheus. It was debuted at GDC a few months prior. But the fact yeah. that we still were waiting for PlayStation VR to have a name, like, mm-hmm. I remember. so crazy. So that's it their, was just bonkers. Yeah, absolutely. And some of those games, like, turned out to be uh, – I mean, if we think about it, several of these games are on the EFG Essentials list. No Man's Sky and Horizon Zero Dawn and Street Fighter V. And, you know, Dreams would be if it was more of a game. It's aw- it's an awesome that's experience. A game, that's cool. a game that makes games. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little complicated. So, so that's the first one. The second one, what do you think about Steam Machines? This is the most inside baseball of everything. Remember the Steam Machines? Yes, I do. So Steam is owned by Valve. They're the people that make, well, they run Steam, which is an online marketplace. They're real good at selling you digital video games. They're like real good at that. Valve is not really good at hardware. (laughs) And they decided that they were going to sell. I don't know why. I mean, we we all know why they did. But like they decided they were going to try and compete by selling like out of the box pre-built PCs and calling them console killers. Like this was a whole like thing. Do you know any single human being that owned one? Um, No. And you know a lot of people I that do. would have a propensity for buying random garbage like well, this. And like the strange thing about it is – it could have been really interesting, but I think it was just not they they couldn't like get over the hump of like what is it? Unlike what with what Blade did with the Shadow Ghost, which also didn't really catch on. But that was cloud gaming. That was like having essentially like a cloud PC, a cloud-based PC in your living yeah. room, as opposed to it just running Steam, which to me is not that attractive. Like I have a lot of installers on my PC and I want to be able to use them all. So. I agree. I agree with you. What I always wondered then, and I still wonder it now is why they didn't just use some of their like dump trucks of money and like wheel one up to like, I buy or whatever, and just buy one of them and just like sell, be a storefront that sells pre-made PCs. Like it feels like that's something they could have done, but Obviously, they didn't want to do that. So that's Steam Machines. I, I wish I I wish I had one just to say I had one, but that would be an embarrassment of, like, wealth, right? Like, it would be, like, the weirdest paperweight ever. It would um, be. 
it's almost you wouldn't like my, use it. I, I could I bear I, I don't think I even could if I wanted to. It's almost like my Stadia controller. Yikes. We'll so, get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Yes, we will. That is in fact one of the stories. And the last one, and this is a this is a sad one and the only sad one on this list, is that 2015 is that summer is when uh Iwata-san, the former president of Nintendo, he passed away at 55. He was really young. Yeah, really young. It was really hard for me. I remember mowing the lawn listening to a podcast where they were talking about him because it was I very I definitely remember it was in the summer I was mowing the lawn and talking about him and I was a freaking wreck for like three days and I remember telling and and obviously you know I cover the industry I'm you know a naturally empathic person not quite not quite on your level you're like on an 11 I'm at like a six um but I'd say you're higher than that but yeah okay okay that's, that's fair. fair but it reminded me to tell the general like okay listen <laughs> Um, if this is impacting me this way, uh, I'm going to need a literal bereavement time when Miyamoto passes. So let's just be ready. Um, yeah. So he championed the Nintendo Direct, which they haven't done for a while, but I'm sure they'll get back to you when they can all be in the same place. Um, he did really smart things with that company and really made them, you know, kind of really helped usher them into and is responsible for the the decisions that led to the switch. And so brilliant mind, hard worker, all sorts of great stuff. I couldn't not mention this story considering its personal impact on me. And he has a book coming out about him of uh, that is uh, he did a column called Iwata, you know ask Iwata where he gave just life advice and somebody took a lot of those pieces and made the book comes out in April yes if I are, I have already pre-ordered it uh, I'm gonna be a mess while I read it I'll warn you I'll tell you if it's okay and safe for you to read I'll That'd do the beta I'll probably be I'll probably be a mess You'll probably well. be a mess because I am reading it probably yes so I've, I know me. All right, so let's fast forward to 2016. Let's talk about the absolute bananas year that was 2016. Do you remember this little video game called Pokemon Go? I've literally never heard of it in my life. Never in your life. Never in my life. Never have I ever. The the summer of 2016. Wasn't that a beautiful summer? Wasn't that a great summer? Like, thank goodness we didn't have a pandemic then. So everyone was out and about. I remember... And we still see it occasionally. Like you can still see the Pokemon goers, but man, I remember the, you know, the five of us walking to, uh, there's a place in the town next to us that is literally Memorial Boulevard. And literally you just walk from Memorial to Memorial and it's rep it's what they are is they're memorials to people that were residents of that town that fought in a given conflict and they go all the way back. And then, and all of those are pokey stops. And so we would walk like laps and get all those stops. And, you know, it was this huge event. We do this for hours. <laughs> and every time we drove by there, dozens of people sitting in the gazebos and walking. And that's just in our little corner of the woods. I mean, the videos of people like in, in Central Park, like these throngs of people moving around. That was such a unique time in games that we will never, literally never get back. We will never have that again. Not ever. But it was so freaking cool. And it doesn't hurt that, I mean, this game has made many billions of dollars. <laughs> like, it has. Um, it, it's, 
And it's still going strong, by the way. That's what's so interesting about it is that while it is not this amazing, literally everyone on Earth has downloaded it um, experience. Because I remember going into work and, you know, these people who didn't even know how to say the word Pokemon were just saying, I have P word go. And I'm like, what do you mean P word? And they're like, oh, yeah, I just I don't know how to spell. I don't know how to say this. And I was like, "It's, it's Pokemon, guys. It's not that hard. But it's still there's still a dedicated fan base of people that still play it. And we still have it. I mean, to so here from the business perspective, Pokemon Go has made four billion dollars. Yeah. So essentially, a, a you know a billion dollars a year until this year, and Pokemon Go hit one billion dollars in revenue even in the midst of a pandemic because yeah. Niantic so nimble in dealing with the pandemic, and they're like, all right, we'll just fix the game. It's fine. We're going to fix it so people stay home. And it was wonderful. Like everything they did with Pokemon Go was just really wonderful. And and when you say nimble, like I don't even know if that's a strong enough word because with it – Considering how big they are. Yeah. Yeah. It's – they within – you know, within a matter of weeks of lockdown being a thing, four weeks? I believe it was four. Four weeks. Three or four. Three or four weeks, they had things, they had things really sorted out. And you know, like I, I had a great interview with Greg Barood, who is the uh, studio director at Niantic in Los Angeles, and that's over on Gamesbeat. And I asked a lot of these questions, like how they were able to move so fast, because we had that conversation like either the tail end of April or early May, and it was it was great. Like he really went into it as to how they fixed it. It was, I mean. It was great watching it happen and seeing the proof. I mean, I turned on Pokemon Go and there were Pokemon around my house where there never were before. And what's crazy is it didn't hurt the game. And I don't think it hurt anybody's experience of it, really. And so I feel like it's probably I mean, I don't know that they would ever really change it back. You know, like just what's the incentive? Exactly. So so that's Pokemon Go, which is still one of the biggest stories. I think if I were to take all of these billion dollars in revenue. So uh, the next two stories are disappointments in gaming, but not necessarily sad stories. What do you think about No Man's Sky and its launch? Hmm? Like overpromised, underdelivered. And man, was it not a fun place to fun time to be on Twitter, especially if. If you are frustrated by backseat game developers, <laughs> man, that that was that was a lot. Like that that launch was so much, in the sense that there were so many inaccurate things said about what No Man's Sky actually ended up becoming. There mm-hmm. was so much overpromising and so much underdelivering that the only recent analog that i have is cyberpunk 2077 like that's the analog here is that you know four years later here we are with cd project doing a very similar thing where it's like okay well we promised all this stuff but we weren't able to deliver but we weren't going to communicate it with you because we didn't want to shake investor confidence in their particular case but for hello games they just were like "Huh." And to their credit, they did make they did make a really great game out of a really not great game. I mean, what's interesting about this story is that the reason it's a story in 2016 is because of the botched launch. Yeah. And what's what's really interesting about it now is despite that botched launch, No Man's Sky 
uh, No Man's Sky Beyond, which is the most recent edition of it, is one of our EFG essentials on both PlayStation 5 or PlayStation 4 and Xbox uh, One because it is a, it is reborn. It is a completely different game. They have added so much stuff to it, so many features. A lot of the ones that were promised initially have since been added. And so it's funny to bring this up and mention it. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to throw it on here because it was is that it had such a bad launch. And man, I will never forget the tweet that I read where a guy said, oh, well, it should only take two weeks for a single developer to add multiplayer. And like I it like I feel like I fell on my head when I read that. Yeah, that and, was an extremely bad take. I remember that too. I almost fell out of my chair. Exactly. I was like, what? A single person a week? What are you kidding me? It took that it took longer for the guy in Stardew Valley to do, put multiplayer in that. And that game is a little bit less complicated than this. And so it was um so it's and it's wild that it has come so far. And now it's one of our essential games. I would recommend it to anyone that owns a PlayStation. If you like space stuff. Yeah. If you don't like space like stuff. Space then, survival stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Another disappointment that year and definitely made Gosh, an impact. There were so on, many that year because it was 2016. And that yeah. year was just full of disappointments. Fair. However, I'm sticking to the two. The No Man's Sky. But also, how about they officially canceled Disney Infinity? That's and man that's when you knew like i guess you could call it a bubble right is that like when we knew the toys to life thing was kind of done man i know somewhere there's like a warehouse full of hulk figurines i mean we have so many disney infinity figures now and they still sell them at the disney store if you go to a if, if you go to like a Disney store from time to time, you can still sometimes find them there and they just sell them as figurines, which is great. I'm so glad they were able to repurpose them into just collectibles. But man, that was a, that was miserable. It was so miserable. When that game was announced, came after Skylanders, Skylanders was first. I'll be shocked. I'll admit that I am shocked that Activision hasn't tried to resurrect that brand yet, but I think it's just too soon. It'll happen. Skylanders will happen. But Disney Infinity, when they announced that, I was like, oh, Skylanders is done because Disney's got like all of these properties and it's going to be crazy. And I read the Game Informer cover and I was like, oh, snap, this is going to be the new thing. And it turns out I would imagine that he did. Um, I can't remember back. I can't remember that far to read bylines. However, yeah, it was crazy thinking about it. I was like, oh, this is the Skylanders killer. They're going to take over. And it didn't. Um, And then when it was officially canceled in 2016, that's when I knew. And I remember having a podcast, actually, where we talked about Disney Infinity's done. So that means Toys to Life is probably over. And then, obviously, it was. We got a good piece of news, though, in October of 2016 is when they officially announced the Nintendo Switch. Yep. And, and that was a good day. It was a good day, but I still remember they announced it, and I was no like, one well, knew what it was. Exactly. Like, but we I just was kind of like, sat I'm there, and we're like, so you have plans to tell us like what the Switch is, though, right? Yeah. There were definitely three camps. There were reasonably cynical people who really just wanted more info but were not down on it you had the people that were like this is garbage and admittedly those people will be there no matter what yeah um, you can't just but, those people 
And then you had me who was like, okay, I'll admit that I would like to know more information, but really I just need that information so I can tell my wife what I'm buying <laughs> because I was going to buy it no matter That's pretty what. pretty much what we did too. We're just like, I don't know what this is. I'll just, I mean, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll get it. Am but. I, am I going to be able to play a new Super Mario Brothers on this? I'll get it. So that was October. And I remember that's when they sh- showed off, like they, they gave us like the most very basic information about what this thing was going to be. And then told us that we would find out more in a couple of months. And we had to wait until January, which wasn't a lot of time. <laughs> and I remember being very confused. So, so that's 2016 into 2017. 2017 is a doozy. We'll go right into it at the beginning of the year. Nintendo Switch launches and proceeds to go nuts. We'll talk next time about Nintendo sales numbers and how the Switch. Don't worry, bananas. I'm breaking that down on Virtual Economy this yeah, weekend, we'll, so we can talk about yeah. it next Tuesday. Good. Yeah, we'll talk about it all next week, and um, we'll figure it out. The Switch is just insane. I don't think anyone perceived that this was going to be as selling as well as it is. It's nuts, but it started this great trend. Um, they announced the NES Classic. Mm-hmm. Remember that little thing that nobody oh, could get, sure get their hands on? I still will never forget my wife had a bout of insomnia and left while I was still asleep and came back and it was just sitting there for me. And I was like, how did this get here? It was like a miracle. 2017 is also when loot boxes exploded. I knew it was going to be here. 2017 is when Battlefront 2 came out. How wild is that? Yeah, that game has become so good. Like, so good. I don't want to compare it to No Man's Sky because I don't want to overuse the metaphor. Sure. But, like, this is another game that had a rocky launch, not because of the game's quality, really. It was really marred by its monetization because EA was being EA, like peak EA, I think. They fixed that to the point where they had to remove all the monetization the day before launch because everybody on the Internet was setting them ablaze. And since then, they have uh, added so much content. You know, so many more heroes, so many more maps, and it was just free on the Epic Game Store. What was it like? Nineteen million more players, or something like that, downloaded it. So yeah, it was about uh, that. There was a lot of people that downloaded it as a result of EGS. But I remember spending a lot of time on Twitter and in Facebook comments in the end of 2017 arguing about loot boxes because that was like the year of the loot box. And it almost feels like EA stepped on a rake for everybody, but like we all figured out, okay, this is bad. Let's figure this out. It was not a good time. <laughs> it was not a good time. Fortnite launched that that year too. Right? And launched in early little, access. That little video game. A little video game that could. So tiny. This is this tiny little indie. Y'all may not have heard of it. I've never heard of it Um, in my life. And by March, it had been a cultural force to, now admittedly, this was March of 2018, but it was March of 2018 when Drake was on with Ninja and they did that peak 300,000 people watching it on Twitch (laughs) when it was on the news. And I think it's really just been steamrolling ever since then. This thing is a cultural force, but it was 2017 that that game came out, which really just catches me off guard how long ago that was. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, definitely. Um, speaking of Fortnite just being a force, we move into 2018. How about Sony relenting and allowing crossplay <laughs> because like, of Fortnite? Because of Fortnite. More or less. Yeah, it and I mean it was a little more complicated than that. They were losing public sentiment and they were going to lose money yeah. and you know things like that. But yeah, 
Sony Sony definitely relented first for Fortnite and then for Minecraft and then Rocket League. Yeah. And now this is also relevant because they just freaking announced that there's going to be crossplay for the show. <laughs> Which is That's wild. I, like that's got to be one of the biggest stories of this year of 2021. Yeah. Just because you know, in five years when we're looking back on this, when we think of 2021, the fact that MLB The Show has crossplay, I mean, it dates back to 2018 when Sony relented, but like Sony is developing a game and publishing it on the Xbox platform mm-hmm. and allowing crossplay. It's just absolutely nuts. They also skipped E3 that year, which. I remember watching I was I remember when it was announced I was watching show on Twitch I was watching kind of funny games daily with our friend who we've been on a panel with John Phipps from the Super Deluxe podcast he was the guest that day and the news broke in the middle of the show and both of the hosts lost their damn minds cuz who would have ever thought about Sony skipping E3 um until the year everyone skipped E3 but um <laughs> we'll talk about that later but like that was just completely unheard of and so they're just like we're out and in that same year, segueing to the next story, how about Microsoft buying what, like 50,000 developers? They just bought the entire game development community, it feels like. Yeah, um, that, happened in tw- that happened in 2018. It was pretty. I thought that was 27. It was 27. That was 2018. That's that what was I'm talking 2018. about. So we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. It wasn't no, in No, we are there. Are we actually in 2018 now? We're at 2018. 14. Okay. Fortnite. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I went too fast. Um, because there's just so much cool stuff. So much. So yeah, Fortnite so launched in the end. Fortnite launched in the end of 2017, and then go. by March of 2018, it was a cultural force. Yes. And then into 2018, Sony re- relenting on crossplay. There we go. Yes. Yeah. And then Sony skipped E3, which that was a hot mess. Yeah. But it worked out fine for them. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like they're shuttering their doors. No. But then that same year, Microsoft opened their checkbook and bought well, it was officially it was five companies right mm-hmm. was it five hold on let me let me tell you yeah. exactly because i yeah. covered this specifically um e3 2018 i had so many things that i talked about and honestly it feels like they haven't even stopped there we go So Microsoft putting its money where its mouth is with four big studio acquisitions. Oh, so four, okay. Four, but they founded an additional studio. So it was five studios total. And that's when they founded the initiative. That's correct. That's their quadruple A, whatever that means, studio. And then they bought four others. Double Fine... I know it was one. Double Fine um, wasn't until later that year. Oh, it wasn't? Yeah, me, so, right, so here's, what they, here's what they purchased. They purchased yeah. Undead Labs, Playground okay. Games, which is Forza, and more specifically Forza Horizon, Ninja Theory, and Compulsion Games. Yeah. And then later well, that year, they also purchased Obsidian. Yeah. They purchased Double Fine. Yeah. And what else did they purchase? Bye, Mike. What else did they purchase? Um, Obsidian, Double Fine, In Exile was another one of them. Right. The role-playing game, guys. Yeah, yeah. So, so the Wasteland, they, the Wasteland folks. Yeah, and Playground. I mean, they did 
uh, they do Forza Horizon, but they're also doing Fable now. They are doing uh, Which is now. wild. Uh, probably not for us. Probably going to be M-rated, I think. But Thanks. still, yeah, who knows? It's going to be who knows. But they make Forza Horizon, which is amazing. So that's 2018. Really kind of bundles in around that. We moved to 2019. More really cool stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, None of it. Re- Reggie retired. Yeah. Reggie Fisame from Nintendo retired, which what's awesome is a lot of folks retire from the video game industry and they just kind of go away. Mm-hmm. And he has still been around. And I love that because he is such a great personality, such a warm dude. I've never met him, but like at least his persona is great. And so he retired. My favorite story of the year is a lot of places that I when I was looking around, they called 2019 the year of the indies. And all of them, they for whatever reason, they chose their champion, and that was Untitled Goose Game. While I was writing this list of these epic, massive stories, right, the idea that re- legitimately, with no exaggeration, one of the biggest stories of 2019 was the runaway success and excitement around a stupid game about a goose. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And uh, and when I say a stupid game about a goose, I absolutely adore that game. And it's a very good game. But it's just a dumb game about a goose. And we spent that entire year and really a bunch of the year before that hungry for this game. Yeah, give us and the goose. Give us the goose. And it's still a meme. And then the last one, we had new Pokemon games, Sword and Shield. And the really the big story about that one was the supposed boycott. Remember how this the people, <laughs> the internet was just Pokemon Sword and Shield was not going to make any money and it was going to be a failure because this group of people on the internet somehow thought they were going to overpower every mom and dad in America and the world. <laughs> and guess what? It didn't they happen. Didn't, it didn't, didn't happen. happen. It sold like freaking hotcakes. Why? Because it's a Pokemon because game. It's a Pokemon game. And that's how Pokemon and- games work. That's how they work. They are the unstoppable force. Yeah. They just, they're going to do what they're going to do. And I don't even mean that as a bad thing. I mean, my kids, I mean, my oldest still plays that game on occasion. And so that is uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield. Also, they had a DLC pack for that, which is still mind-numbing for me. I can't wait until they announce another Pokemon game where we get another round of people being like, hey, we're going to boycott this. We can't give them money. And then... It's not going to work. It's just going to be great. And then we go to 2020, which is last year. Uh, little quick ones. There was no E3. There was absolutely no E3. Because of COVID. But like the industry was moving that direction anyway. Who knows what's going to happen this year. We got new consoles. We did. Which we have talked about at length. Probably. And, it, and admittedly, this is a little outside of our genre. But I think it's so big we couldn't talk. We couldn't not talk about it. Probably the biggest story of all last year really was Microsoft buying Bethesda. Which that was- That was a huge story. We're going to be feeling the ramifications of that stone being thrown in that lake for years, Mm -hmm. um, which is wild. So there we go. We did it. We did. And we went we went kind of fast because five years is a lot. In episode 300, when we got to go through six years, whew, we might have to record in two shots. We're no Gamertag Radio, but I am proud of the stuff that has happened while this podcast has existed. And it started with me in my basement with like a curtain behind me. I had to pause every time my furnace turned on. And we, we have gone through a number of hosts. You know, it started with me and Ben and Kelly, and my wife was on with me for a while. And, you know, uh, 
a number of people who are probably going to you know come back at some point to now our current situation where it's you and me one week and then me and Linda another. This has been a wild ride. And so, Amanda, thank you so much for joining me. I'll never forget the day we were just BSing in Discord when I just sprung it on you. It was like, hey, what do you think about just like, because we had talked about working together for a while because you are a big fan of collaborating with people. I mean, it's my favorite. And and we had been talking about it for a while and we never really knew what that was going to look like. And when I finally was like, hey, like if you don't have like a non-compete with whatever website you're doing, because I assumed that you did. It turns out that those things are remarkably rare. I didn't know. Um, uh, I, I was like, why don't you just like come be on my show like forever? <laughs> it was like the podcast equivalent of like asking you to go steady. It's um, true, it and, was. and it worked. And that was it. two years ago ish. The show has never been better. And I learn every week from your expertise. And I think we, we you know, we, we put out a good product. I like to think admittedly, I edit it now. So I am uh, biased. I like to think we put out a damn good product as well. So I like it. Well, that's good. So we're going to keep doing it. I've decided we're going to keep the podcast going. We're not getting canceled. So, awesome. <laughs> so everybody, thank you for indulging us, myself and Amanda, as we took a walk down memory lane. I hope that's triggered some memories for you guys. We're going to share this in the Engage Family Gaming community, which, by the way, is approaching 400 members. Uh, we are small but mighty. I'd love to hear your favorite memories, maybe even your favorite EFG memories uh, going back into the podcast. We will be back next week where we are going to talk uh, either about board games or video game stuff. It really depends on what blows up in the next few days because there's so many things that are like right on the edge. So we will be back next week. Amanda, thank you so much. You're very welcome, my friend. This is always the highlight of my week. It's like this and Reckon History on Ready Player Mom are like my two favorite pieces of my week. I do like Reckon. I do like Reckon History, um, especially when we get the name towns on your fake Earth. Really stupid thing. <laughs> um, did you yes. name? We, I bought. I spent channel points, so I'm hoping that um, one of the towns gets named after GME. We already did that. That's already oh, a thing. Oh, did yeah. that happen after I had? I got pulled away at one point. Good. Well, I'm glad yeah. I'm going to come visit them next week. So and everybody. Up and up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, that place is it gets crazy. Um so everybody, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, don't forget to get your family game on. We'll see you soon. Bye.